Uh, the student pastor here, my name is Joe. Uh, that's not my government name. My government name is Joseph. I know. It's throwing y'all off. Uh, <coughs> so um, somebody asked me, I think it was Kelsey, that's my wife. She said, what's the, what's the hardest, what's going to be the hardest thing that you uh, do this morning? And she's, you know, she's expecting, oh, you got to preach in front of like adults and, and all that stuff. And I'm like, no, like the hardest thing I'm going to do this morning is peel off this piece of tape right here <laughs> that is like, like I told her, I said, what if I, what if I did this? If I just cut this square out right here? And she's like, well, you already wear crazy pants and shirts and, and all that stuff. So like they expect that from you. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to give them what they expect <laughs> this morning. So, all right, enough kidding around. <clears throat> so um, today's, today's sermon that I'm going to preach um, is based off of lean times. And I don't think it's going to take much for me to convince you that we're in lean times. I look at my bank account. That's some lean times, boys and girls. That's some lean times. Yeah, we're already preaching. First slide. Uh, I, I was sitting at home, uh, I don't know, a few days ago, and I was reading over my sermon. I was getting prepared, and I was studying, and I go, well, how do I... How do I convey lean times to, to them? And I'm like, I, I don't guess I really have to because I'm like, I'm, I'm right in the middle of lean times. And I go and I, I get on GPS and I'm, I look up like how far it is from my house to the church, which is fine. It's like 15, 20 minutes by car. And I go, well, these are lean times. I got, I got a bicycle out here in the shed. So how long is it going to take me to drive my bike from good old Woodruff to <laughs> Four Points Church? And it was quite a bit longer than what I expected. And I said, it ain't that lean yet. And I said, mm-mm. I said, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there. Uh, I'm not in peak physical performance to drive a bike that far. Y'all going y'all gonna to have to have, you know, you're going to see me in no obituaries because I'm going to die on 101 driving, driving a bike. So, <laughs> that's funny. So, naturally, naturally, lean, lean times, they, they apply to some some areas of our life, you know, during lean times, relationships get hit hard. We, we struggle to make friendships during lean times. We, we saw a shutdown not that long ago, and we, we struggle to reconnect with people. We struggle to build community. We, we, we struggle with our relationships with our children. We struggle in our relationship with, with our spouse, and we, we go, oh, man, I, I, just, I just, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, and it, it, gets, it gets hit hard, and then we, we have this grief that sits in, like, if, if we lose somebody, and we have this, we're in just emotional ruin in our life, and we're just like, I, I just don't know what to do, and, and then, like I said, we just, you know, we're out of shutdown, and, you know, this disease hit, and we're like, we never saw this coming, and we don't know what to do, and, you know, there's this, there's this, fury of like the enemy is just attacking me and I don't know what to do. Well, I'm glad you came this morning. Thank you. So the, the backside of that, I'll say the, the faith challenge is simple. I know some of you are like, eh, probably not. So if you face lean times, you'd better have a good foundation on which you can lean. And for most of us, this is not the case. For most of us, even myself, because when stuff hits the fan, I don't go, you know what, I should sit down and, and pray. I should sit down and read my Bible. I should see what the Lord has for me. I know it sounds weird coming from the stage. I know, but we're honest with you here. I go, well, 
today kind of sucked. Uh, I got bad news. Uh, you know what I should do? I should go cut everybody's grass on this whole street to preoccupy myself. I should go out and build two porches, knowing that I don't need to be building two porches because they may not hold people, and that's just what I did. <laughs> Y'all should follow me or Kelsey on social media. You'll see what I'm talking about. We, uh, <clears throat> we, we got some, some news. I, I have a seven-year-old. Uh, we got some news that um, on, a, on a Sunday I was, I was in Baltimore, as a matter of fact. We got some news that um, he may have to have brain surgery, and we're like, our world fell apart. That's lean times. Like, when you get that news, whatever that news is for you in your life, you know what it is. And you go, your world just falls apart. Well, what are the next steps following that? Because the next steps become even more important in those times. And for me, I, I fell apart. I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. And I, I come home, and we're, we're a mess. We're a mess. My household is a mess. My family is like all over the place because we're just like, we, we don't know who to lean on. We don't know. We're just like, I don't know what to do. So in typical Joe fashion, I, I come in here on a Wednesday night and I cry and do all the emotional stuff and like I do because I'm an emotional person. So it is what it is. I'll probably cry before the end of this. So that's just who I am. So <clears throat> I, I come in here and then I go home and I, I try to preoccupy myself with a bunch of stuff. I clutter up my life. I clutter up uh, my life with stuff that I know I shouldn't be doing, like cutting grass for, you know, the, the neighbors who has a lawnmower that works just fine. I mean, whatever, you go cut your neighbor's grass. But I should have been in my house praying with my wife over my child. I should have been taking these steps that, that I'm going to preach about this morning and go, man, I, I, don't, I don't know what else to do. I, I don't know who to lean on. I, I don't know who to lean on. So if you face lean times, you, you better have a good foundation which you can lean. And so the, the miracle of this is by leaning on your relationship with Jesus, a, a person, you don't, you don't just survive during lean times. Because that, that's never our goal is just to survive. Are, are you happy with just surviving? That's the real question. Are you happy with just surviving? No, no. Like us as believers, we should not just be happy with just surviving, just from getting from day to day to day. <clears throat> that, that's, not, that's never our goal. Our goal is we want to thrive during lean times. We want to thrive. We don't want to just sit here and be like, well, I'll just wait on tomorrow to get here and maybe Jesus will come back. Well, maybe we should thrive and go talk to our neighbor about Jesus and then, you know, we should sit down in our families and pray and, and see what God has for us. Maybe we should do those things. So, you'll thrive in tough times. You'll, you'll find victory even in an atmosphere of what seems to be loss in your life. <clears throat> Today we're going to look at uh, Nehemiah. Uh, I don't, I don't know that we necessarily preach out of Nehemiah a lot, but I was, I, when I was praying, I was like, man, you know, Nehemiah, he, uh, he was looking at his city, and he goes, man, it's falling apart. The culture is falling apart. It, what, what, and he had this burden for his people. And we go, well, and I went, man, that kind of seems like the world outside my door. That kind of seems like Everything that y'all sharing on Facebook, where we're not going to these stores, and we're not doing this, and we're not doing that, and the moral compass is all turned upside down, and we, we just don't know what to do, and we're just losing our minds, and we're sharing stuff on Facebook and social media, and instead of actually going to our brothers and our sisters and loving them well, and teaching them, and, pre and showing them the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ, whether they're shared on Facebook. That's difficult, like, that's difficult. Thank you, sir. 
That's hard. <clears throat> so, what do we do during lean times? Like I said, we're going to look at Nehemiah. We're going to look at <clears throat> the work he did and, the, and how he changed um, the identity, how he, he had a different understanding of faith. <clears throat> Nehemiah, he, he rode a horse around his, around his city. I know, some of you are like, I'm not riding a horse, so I'm going to check out now. Just like I wasn't going to ride a bike from Woodruff to Four Points. <clears throat> Nehemiah, he rode a horse around the ruins of his beloved city at night, alone, and took notes. When he came back, he, he made his report. He, he took hold of the problem. He cast vision, and he started a great process of change in that moment. For most of us, we see the problem, we don't cast vision, we sit at home in our easy chair and our lazy boy and complain about it and go, well, somebody else will get that. Somebody, somebody else will fix that. Pastor Russ will fix that. He can pray about it. That's funny because it's true. So Nehemiah's journey changed his nation. Nehemiah's journey changed his nation. In, in addition to sparking this, this rebirth of a great city, Nehemiah landed a place in God's history as one of the heroes of the Bible. In other words, he, he thrived in the midst of difficult times when all around him seemed to be satisfied with just surviving. Just surviving. Nehemiah excelled. He thrived in those times. <clears throat> it continues on right at this moment um, because you and I have that same opportunity, that same opportunity to thrive in these times. It's, it's grad Sunday. We didn't have, we had all our graduates for um, second service, so second service would be a little bit different. But I, as I was praying, I wanted to speak to the graduates, but I also wanted to speak to the person dealing with that important financial decision, to that person dealing with a career move, because you're in a career that you know you're not called to. You know God's called you somewhere else. Or maybe it's about that medical decision that popped up. Like for us and Ryder, where it was like, man, we, we did not see this coming. There was no symptoms of this, and now all of a sudden his brain surgery. I want to talk to that person this morning. Because most of us, most of those decisions, they don't, they don't necessarily sound like tough times. They don't sound like tough times. But the nitty-gritty of it is they're tough decisions when you're in the, in the midst of it. Lean times just make those decisions even more important for you to make. And those decisions are so important that it's, it's difficult to make a mistake in the middle of them. So <clears throat> as we look at Nehemiah, um, our first point um, is this. Proceed slowly. And I know that's, that's counterculture. Because culture will tell you, go as zero to 100 real quick. We love to live our life that way because we don't think that uh, consequences apply to our actions and we're just going to full throttle this bad boy and YOLO. Does anybody say YOLO anymore? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. So if I say something weird, let me, let me just preface this. If I say something weird up here and you're like, I don't know what that word means, turn to somebody that's under the age of 18 and go, hey, can you explain that word to me? So if I say sus 
or something like that. You just, you lean, you lean on them, okay? And if you can't find that person, I'll meet you in the lobby later. So, point one, proceed slowly. Wait upon the Lord. This, this isn't spiritual procrastination. Rather, it's, it's careful study of the situation. It's seeing what needs to happen right now. And most importantly, to see where God is going to lead. And it's against our tendencies because we want to act. We want to act right now. When something happens, when I got the news of Ronnie's brain surgery, I was like, Russ, I need to go home, and I need to figure this out, and I'm going to study medical whatever on the way home, and by the time I get there, I'm going to be able to do brain surgery because, men, that's what we do. I know, revolutionary. That's what we do. We want to fix the problem. We're fixers. We're doers, right? We don't, we don't necessarily go here first. We go, what can I do? <laughs> Babe, I, I know, I know right about how to Can I build you a porch? <laughs> and when I get done with that porch, can I build you another porch? Oh, now the grass needs to be cut. I'll be back later. Y'all stay inside. That hits home more than y'all think. So when you think about uh, the way men and women operate, like I said, men, we want to fix things. And women, do you want to talk about them? <laughs> and those two fit perfectly together. <clears throat> There's a reason we have marital counseling. <laughs> Men, you want to go here and you want to go, I, I just want to fix it. What, what can I do? Uh, well, you know, uh, let, let's do something about it. Women, you want to talk about it. You want to say, now, Joe, just sit down and let's, let's talk about this. And I go, well, I can't hear you over the lawnmower. I can't, I can't hear you out here in the yard. I, I, can't, I can't hear you out here. And I know you want to talk about it, but, but in here, I'm going, ah, I, I, want to, I want to go fix something that's not broken. Or I'll break something to fix it and then go, ah, okay, well, I got to fix this now. Man, y'all don't do that, right? Y'all being awful quiet, so I think y'all do. So, <clears throat> but in the Bible, the, the very first instruction is this, to be silent. To be silent and to do nothing at all. When's the last time you encountered a hard time? A hard decision? When you got news that you want to hear? When you got that phone call you didn't want to hear? When you got that bill that you didn't know how in the heck you were going to pay it? And you sat down, and you were silent before the Lord. It's silent here now, because that's not our natural tendency to do. Nehemiah 1.4 says this, <clears throat> When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. When, when Nehemiah heard that his city was falling apart, Jerusalem, the, the walls were, were burned with fire, the gates were burned with fire, it was, it was falling apart, there, were, there was no culture, there was no community. The first thing he did, I sat down and wept before the Lord. And I prayed. I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed to the God of heaven. Psalm 33:20 says, we wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. The problem with this is, when you use a shield, 
It goes out here when you go to, when you go to battle. The problem is a lot of us put our shields up a long time ago because we quit going to battle. We, we quit fighting. We quit fighting. We forget that the Lord is our shield and Scripture is our sword. We, we put this down, and we put this down, and we, we hung them up on the wall somewhere, and we said, I, 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 don't, I don't need those anymore. We, we, become, we became retired believers. <clears throat> we had our men's event this past Monday, and I, and I was being nosy, like I do. And I heard a conversation where they were talking about, well, there's, there's three types of, of Marines, or, and I didn't catch all three types, but I, it, in my head I went, man, that's, that's kind of like believers. Like, we go, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a regular, regular believer. And then there's like, oh, I'm too old, so I'm a retired believer. And I'm like, no. I, I, I don't believe there was like a retirement age uh, for you to be a believer and for, for your call on your life. I, I, don't, I don't believe God says, okay, once you reach a certain age, you put, you put the shield up and you put the sword up and you stop going into your communities and to your families and to, where, to your jobs and go, okay, well, I need to preach and reach uh, these people. We, we quit going to battle. We, we gave up the shield. We, we, stopped, we stopped reading scripture. And most of the time I see retired believers, those are just tired believers who, who didn't surround themselves with a community that built them up and strengthened them and poured into them. And retired believers did, didn't put the woes and the struggles and the burdens and the breakdowns of life at his feet because we, never, we didn't start with step one. We didn't, we didn't proceed slowly. And so we didn't make it to step two, which we'll get to. I'm getting ahead of myself. But we didn't make it to step two where we prayed. We, we didn't make it that far because we didn't have this community around us. So we retired and hung everything up. I said, okay, I, I'll pick that up later. Maybe. Maybe, maybe Jesus will come back before I, have to, before I have to go back into battle for my community. <clears throat> We're sending grads off today. They're going to college. Guess what? They're going into battle. They're going into battle. When you go to work tomorrow morning, guess what? You're going into battle. So are you, are you putting on the full armor of God? Or are you picking up the shield? Or are, are you carrying the sword? Or are you doing this? That's, that's the question. Proceed slowly. Luke 14, 28 through 30 says, <clears throat> here we go. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. That's like me and my porch. I'm just kidding. That's not me and my porch. I finished both of them. Thank you. So, <clears throat> we counted the cost. We counted the cost, and we said, it, it's not worth it to keep going. It, it costs me too much. I, I can't do the things I used to do. I can't, the, the people around me, they're not around me anymore. I, I counted the cost, and I said, I, I would rather have them than him. And I'm like, I, and then we go, well, why, why is our culture, why is our cities, why, why is our towns, why is our nation in a, in a state of moral decay? Because we counted the cost. And we said, it's too much. It's too much. I, and on the other camp, we, we jumped into it. 
and we go, I'm just going to go really fast. I'm going to build this tower. I'm not, I'm not going to count the cost. And then you're at Lowe's, and you ain't got enough money to buy all the lumber for the porch. And you're like, I just I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And you go, inevitably, like my grandma used to say, haste makes waste. Yeah, oh, y'all know that. That's good. That's good. Haste makes waste. So, like my grandma used to say, and when leaner times are here, it's even more important to, to make those correct decisions. When, when lean times comes, it's, it's, it's critically important to make the right moves. You don't rush into those decisions. You don't, you don't take necessarily the, the first option that's offered to you. You make carefully thought out decisions and you, you lean on your wisdom, you lean on the wisdom of others, but most importantly, you lean hard on the wisdom of God. You lean hard on his wisdom because his wisdom is perfect. My wisdom is flawed. My wisdom is flawed. When I go to him, I receive perfect wisdom, perfect vision. You come to me, mm, a little touch and go. We have to lean on him in all things. The, the Christian Post collected data from over 20,000 uh, Christians in uh, 139 countries, most of them in America. So between the ages of 15 and 88, they, they found this. On average, more than 4 in 10 Christians around the world say that they often or always rush from task to task. About mm, 6 to 10 Christians say that it's often or always true that the busyness of life gets in the way of developing my relationship with God. And he, here's what really hit me, this, this last stat. By profession, pastors were, more, were most likely to say they rush from task to task. That's 54%, which adversely affects their relationship with God. That's 65%. So when Pastor Russ says, hey, we need to put you on a schedule, just let him put you on a schedule. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to rush from task to task because we want to give you, um, we want to be adequate and efficient in our time management because we don't want to rush from thing to thing to thing because we don't want to waste your time. We don't want to waste it. So in lean times, reading the Bible becomes more important than ever. It becomes more important than ever. So part of that process is kind of obvious. You've got to hear from God. You've got, to, you've got to hear from Him. That leads us to our next point. Pray. We need to pray. Uh, when I was studying, I, I come upon this story. Uh, and the story goes, it's told of an elderly couple who, who lived together in a nursing home. Uh, they'd been married for uh, many, many years, 60, 70 years, uh, and inevitably, their relationship was filled with arguments disagreements, shouting contests, not like y'all's, this, this was different. So the fights, or mine, sorry, or mine, the fights didn't stop even in the nursing home. Y'all know, know that, y'all know that one couple, that old couple that just squabbles with each other all the time? It just, just kind of reminded me of this. So <clears throat> in fact, the, the couple argued and fought from the time they got up in the morning uh, until they fell in bed at night asleep. It became so bad that the nursing home said, hey, y'all got to do something. Like, because we about to have to throw you out and y'all about to go live with your family or some, y'all got to go somewhere if y'all don't change the way you're doing things. Even then, 
that the couple couldn't agree on what to do. So finally, the wife said to her husband, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, Joe. Well, let's pray that one of us dies. And after the funeral is over, I'll go live with my sister. You're talking about haste. We ain't even prayed yet. We already, we already answered that prayer for ourselves. So let me tell you something about lean times in prayer. You can do a lot of things after you pray, but you shouldn't do anything before you pray. And that's counter, that's counter to what we do. We go, I, I'm going to act first and figure it out later. I'm going to act first and figure it out later. I'm not going to go and bring everything to God in prayer. I, I, I'll bring, when it's falling apart, I, then I'll bring it to him. When, when my life is at its worst, then I'll, I'll come to church and, and bend the knee and go, okay, well, now, God, you can have it. Now, now you can have it now that I've made a mess of it. I, I've, screwed, I've screwed whatever the situation is up. I didn't, I didn't handle my anger properly. I, I've, gotten, I've gone further than I thought I would go. And now, now you can have it. Now, now you can have it. Now, now help me. Now, now I'm going to open the door and let you in. Because we didn't start with prayer. We didn't, we didn't start there. We're going to look at the way Nehemiah prayed. <coughs> Excuse me. It's a, it's a combination of waiting, of proceeding carefully and, and praying all at the same time. It kind of reminds me of, like, y'all know when you were kids and you did, like, this deal? All at the same time? I know. I'm talented. America's got talent up here. <clears throat> so, at the beginning of his story, he says he prayed and fasted for some days. He prayed and fasted for some days. A little later, a little later on, when he's with the king, he actually prays as he talks. And I know this, this like, confuses a lot of us. Because we're like, well, I, I, I thought I had to like close my eyes and, and do this and you know say stuff out loud or not say stuff at all. Like, no, Nehemiah's praying as he's talking. And that's hard. That's difficult, believe me. I tried at home and it didn't work. I'm just, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. So that's what, that's what we're called to do. We're called to pray continually. Pray, to pray continually. Uh, chapter 2, um, verse 4 and 5 says this. The king said to me, what is it that you want? What is that, Nehemiah, what, what do you want? What do you want right now? He says, then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. At, at this point, Nehemiah, he's not proceeding slowly. He, he's past that point. He, he's past the fasting and the waiting and, and the, the listening. At this point, he's in the, the thick of a God moment. He's in the thick of it. And for me, that, that's my prayer is that I, I don't want to just read about God moments. I don't, I don't want to just read about, you know, what God's doing in a far-off city or what God's doing in a far-off land. Well, you go, why? Because that's the same God that I serve, and I know that God can work right here in our community. I want to be in the middle of this bad boy. I want to I see our schools change. I want to see our colleges change. I, I don't want to see on the news where we have these, these shootings at our colleges. I don't want to see that. I want to be in the middle of a God moment where we send graduates, where we send adults off to their jobs, to college, and they start changing the culture that, that is where they work, where they go to school, by allowing God to work through them. That's what I want to see. I, I want to be in the middle of that. I want to be in the middle of that. <clears throat> so the king, he, he sees this, and he goes, I, 
what, what's wrong? You know, what's wrong? He's, he's seen Nehemiah's mood. He's like, ah, something's off. You know, what do you got going on? And he asked, he asked this question. So no wonder why Nehemiah prayed at that point. Because he's like, oh, the king's not called on me. Ah, it's about to be rough. This was his window of opportunity to save Jerusalem. This was it. The door was open. The window was cracked. Like, this is it. This is my time to act. It, it's not a, it's not a unique idea across Scripture. To the believers in Thessalonica, Paul had written, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you and Jesus Christ. So pray continually, pray all the time, not when stuff's just hitting the fan, not when times are just hard, not when times are just lean. Pray all the time. And you're like, this, this isn't revolutionary. I, I get it. But it's a reminder and it's an admonishment to say, church, we need to pray all the time. We need to pray all the time. We need to be in this, in this atmosphere of just prayer. So when you're nervous about, you know, like you were the, the student pastor and you got to preach on Sunday morning and, you know, people don't respond the same way that students respond because they actually stay awake, you know, that, that type of deal. Like when you're nervous, right, pray. I woke up this morning, prayer. Before I got out of bed, prayer. Because I was like, ah, right, God, you're going you want to give me something. You're going to give me something because I, I feel inadequate. Like I, I don't I don't feel like I should I should be the one up there. I just I don't know. Like I know you've given me a call, but I, I just I don't know. I don't know. And God's like, man, I, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, so I gave you a call in your life, so you need to go do it. You need to go do it. And he's he's given each one of that as believers that a call to go and to make disciples and to go into your communities, to go into your schools, to go into your jobs, to go maybe into your house and make disciples. Your your house is not exempt from that call. Your spouse is not exempt from that call. Your children are not exempt from that call. I, I battle this all the time where, you know, I'm the guy that, like, fights baseball and wrestling and, and travel ball and, and whatever else. I, I'm that guy that, you know, fights it. Like, hey, if you'll just come on Wednesday, uh, we'll, we'll have a water slide. We'll have an inflatable. We'll have cotton candy. Like, I'll give you fake AirPods. It'll be great. Maybe just come. If you can just stay awake for like 20 minutes, you know, just let me, let me give you a little bit of the gospel. Like, I, I'm that guy that fight because your children need it. Your children need it. They need it because the world needs it. The world needs it because we retired a while ago. And we get up. And we started to see the next generation as replacements and not reinforcements. So church, when is it, it going to be time for you to lean on the next generation and go, hey, let me impart wisdom to you. Let me, let me tell you what God has done through me so that you can come alongside me as I carry the shield and you reach the generation. Because they're not the church of tomorrow or, or next year. Or, or 10 years from now, they're the church of today, right now, right here. They're, they're not your replacement. They're not, they're not your replacement at all. You have a call just like they have a call. They're your reinforcement. 
And when you consider them reinforcement, you'll go through hell and high water to protect them. You'll do it. You'll hold the shield no matter what it takes. You'll hold it. You won't put it down. You won't retire. You won't go, I don't need this anymore. You'll teach them to hold the shield. You'll, you'll teach them to hold the sword. You'll, you'll teach them scripture. You'll, you'll pray over them. You'll impart your, your wisdom to them and point them in, in each situation to Christ. That's what we'll do during lean times. When we start to see the next generation is reinforcement. I got to move on. I'm going to run out of time. <clears throat> so, we can't, we can't take shortcuts. We love a good shortcut. When I'm driving to Gatlinburg, I love a good shortcut. I'm trying to cut that bad boy down, and I want to get there as fast as I can so I can go to sleep. Because that's my idea of vacation. That's not my wife's idea of vacation, but that's mine. Like, them beds just sleep different. I don't know what it is. I don't know. It is what it is. So, can't take shortcuts. You can't go with an instant prayer, instant answer philosophy. Because you're not in control of the answered prayer. God is. And a lot of us got this backwards where we think, well, I'll pray it and then I'll answer it. And we didn't leave, we didn't leave any room for God to answer that. We, we, wanted, we wanted fast food faith. We, wanted, we, we treat church like it's Burger King, and we, we pull through the drive-thru, order something, like, oh, I need a number seven, uh, extra fries, and then we pull out and hope that sustains us through the week. We, we have this fast food faith, and, you know, like I said, we think it's like Burger King, where we go, oh, I'm just going to have it my way. And we think, you know, the king is like the Burger King, and he's just going to give us what we want every time we pray for it. And, you know, if he doesn't, then I'm just going to do it anyway. You should go to Chick-fil-A. They're not open on Sundays, so I don't know what to tell you there. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I would say start a petition, but I don't think it's going to matter. God's got other plans for Chick-fil-A on Sundays. So, honor God first by praying in the proceed slowly mode. Honor God first with the seriousness of waiting before him. Bowing before him. Even fasting. And then keep praying as we try to make the right decisions. The, the value of prayer can't be understated. It can't be overstated. Being alone, being alone with God, reflecting on scripture, and waiting on God is, is priceless. It's priceless because clarity comes in those times. Understanding comes in those times. And we should not, we should not expect such a, a expensive and priceless gift like clarity and understanding to come cheaply. You ever been in a big city and you look up and you're like, man, I thought there used to be stars in the sky. <laughs> and you're like, you know, you can't see nothing but lights and smog and, you know, whatever else is killing us up there. And you're like, man, I, there, there used to be stars up there somewhere. And you go, man, I just, I got to get away. And then you get out in the middle of a cow pasture and, wherever, sugar tit somewhere and, you know, whatever. And you look up and you're like, oh, it's dark, but there's, there's a lot of stars up there. But you took the time to create an opportunity. You took the time to slow down, to, to draw away and to be intentionally still. Prayer's like that too. 
You want to see the entire beautiful galaxy that, that God's created? It'll take prayer. It'll take a lot of it. Not like a one-time deal. It's going to take a lot of it. It'll take some silence in that prayer, too. When we pray, it doesn't have to just be us just talking and talking and talking and say a bunch of big words that we don't actually mean. It, it doesn't have to be that. We can sit in silence, too, and that's okay. I remember when Ryder was little, in his first year of life, uh, he was learning to crawl, and I would be in my room watching TV, um, and then at the foot of a bed, boom, there's a head. And I'm like, you know, I'm looking, and like, uh, what do you need? And he's just looking. It's like a deer, like a deer in headlights, a little bald head. And I'm like, yes, you know. He didn't need anything. He was just staring at me. He couldn't talk. He couldn't tell me what he needed anyway. So he was just staring at me. I had become one of those objects he just liked to stare at. And after months and months of having to go to him, now he's choosing me. At first, I, I, I didn't know how to respond. But eventually, I, I just stared back at him. And then after a short while, he'd crawl back into the living room. The, the simple pleasure of looking at the one you love is what we enjoy each time we worship God. And we bask in his presence. It's that simpleness. But we have to start where we are. Nehemiah 1.11 says, I was a cupbearer to the king. I was a cupbearer to the king. This was like secret service type deal. He was like checking for poison and all this other stuff. You know, he was trusted. You know, he was the one that's going to fall out first if there was poison in the cup, basically. <clears throat> I've heard that. Why well, I'm, I'm just, I'm just this. I'm just that. I, I, I just own a lawn service. I, I'm not called to do anything. I, I just work at a plant. I'm. I'm just in sixth grade. I'm just in seventh. I'm just in twelfth grade. I, I'm just going to college. I, 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 I'm just this. I'm, I'm just a locksmith. I'm just whatever. Nehemiah, he, he could have made many excuses as to why he couldn't rebuild Jerusalem. After all, he wasn't a Levite. He, he wasn't a priest. He wasn't even a builder. He didn't have the generational background. He, he didn't have the education. He, he didn't have the skills. He was a cupbearer. But like anyone who is called by God to a significant task, the feelings of inadequacy give way to the necessity of the moment. You can only start where you are right now. You can't wait until some distant day in the far off place to go, okay, I'm, I'm going to get the job done. Because tomorrow will always be tomorrow. You'll never get there. You'll never get there. So when that opportunity presents itself, church, we have to seize the moment. We have to seize the moment. Nehemiah prayed, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And then he seized the moment. Nehemiah, he was, he was ready. He was ready. He was, he was in part because he had spent so much time and energy and fasting and prayer and waiting before the Lord. And, and to his credit... The opportunity presented itself. Nehemiah seized the moment. The door cracked open, and Nehemiah was ready to go through it. 
He was sensitive to the possibility that God might be at work. So he had this razor, this razor sharp edge of readiness that allowed him to seize the moment. Can we go back to the third, like, I think it's the third slide. I think it's the third slide. Nehemiah, there we go. Nehemiah's journey changed his nation. I want to end here. You go, that's a, that's a weird spot to, to wrap this bad boy up. I'm like, no, it's not. Nehemiah's journey changed his nation. Future generations from now, if the Lord doesn't come back before then, will the future generations say, Travis's journey changed his nation? Will it say, Chris's journey changed his nation? Will it say, Will's journey changed his nation? Will it say, Logan's journey changed his nation? Will it say, Michael's journey changed his nation? Will it say that? Will your life speak to a God that is able and willing to change the nation that we live in? Will it? So church, this morning, for some of you, it's time to seize the moment. It's time to walk through that door. Right where we are right now. But we have to start with, with the first step. And I believe that for right now, it's proceed slowly and pray. Our prayer team is going to come up. Allow them to pray over you. Allow them to pray over your children, your family, your job. Because church, years and years from now, I want them to be able to read four points change the nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ because they reached the least the lost and lonely. That's our goal. That's our mission. That's what we want to do. So church, I believe in you. I believe in you. So let's stand. Our worship team is going to come back up. Like I said, our prayer team will be here. Go as the Lord leads.